0: It was much earlier than I thought it was. It didn't take long to realize that the break of morning was not yet a possibility at 4.30 a.m. I was tired. My partner was tired. My mother wasn't even awake yet. I had the day before a Sunday come down with one of those lovely summer colds. I was convinced I would die of self-pity and used it as an excuse to let my opinions known to everyone around me. I wasn't kind, I was not generous, and I didn't want the morning to get the daybreak. But no matter how much I protested, no matter how much I bargained with anything that might be listening to me as I showered and got ready, no matter how much I panicked about what still needed to be packed at the last minute, the day was not going to wait. In less than an hour, with that summer cold and all of my protests, I would be hitting the road and leaving Chicago for ten months, perhaps longer. Those last few things I thought I would need, the things I would never need, and the things I forgot were put in their places. Boxes were taped shut, the car was packed, and I still panicked about forgetting things. And I did. And the evening slowly gave way to morning. It was time. I woke my mother up. And she sprung out of bed, still tired. She didn't quite realize that, yes, it was time. Her son was leaving. But quickly, as we headed to the door with her following, it became clear. She woke up to the moment. I tried not to lose my composure, and I noticed she was holding back as well. We hugged, and we hugged again. And she told me, holding back tears, I need to be strong for you right now. Now, my mother is a very small woman, but I believed her. She looks far tougher than her stature would suggest. But one last hug was had, and all I can remember is the walk to that car and fighting back the immensity of what was happening that morning. I was finally leaving the home I had known my whole life. I was leaving friends, co-workers, Chicago-style hot dogs, the Chicago White Sox, and my only family, my mother. All at once I wanted this to be happening, and yet I fought it so fiercely. I joked for nearly eight months, I can still say no. I can still say no to coming to Massachusetts. I can still say no to ministry. I can still say no to spreading these Midwestern wings. But life and everyone in my life, and even myself deep down inside, said yes. And so my mother was strong for me. The car was packed and there was no turning back. The morning had finally arrived and my car pulled onto the highway, my partner at the wheel, and off we went. Off we went to four days of traveling through eight states and nearly 1,200 miles. Off we went to 10 months of having a long distance relationship. Off we went with Concord waiting at the other end. Every journey has its challenges, and this was no exception. But the challenges there were not in the 1,200 mile drive to Massachusetts or in the six months leading up to the day we left. It was in the years before and in the stops along the way up to this very moment. The journey to First Parish and to all of you, unbeknownst to me, has been in the making since I was a moody, inconsolable teenager in high school. In high school, I was a geek and an outcast, a very proud geek, mind you, and still am. I hung around the other outcasts as well. In the town I'm from, if you did not join the cross-country team, you were automatically an outcast. So there were quite a few of us. <laughs> I had this English teacher in my sophomore year, a very odd man that bounced around the room and made us all feel very uncomfortable. I've since learned that those turn out to be the best teachers. He had this deep passion and deep knowledge, and all he wanted to do was to share it and make, us, make sure we understood He lit up especially when he started talking about the transcendentalists. He sang praises of Thoreau, Emerson, and the Alcotts, told stories of Walden Pond and the history of this place. We spent weeks reading excerpts from Walden and nature, tearing them apart and mining them for the many meanings they had hidden inside. Needless to say, I was hooked, and I dreamed of a life like that of Thoreau or Emerson. Those writings and those lessons, those stories, would linger with me all through the rest of high school and beyond. They lingered as I grew more into my identity as a Unitarian Universalist. They lingered as I finished my undergraduate degree. And they lingered as I wondered whether seminary would ever be the right thing to do. Had that moody teenager that I was been told that someday I would look out on Walden Pond and find myself speaking to all of you Here on this Sunday, in this moment of worship, I would have just rolled my eyes and went back to playing computer games. (laughs) The impact of this great privilege, that is being your ministerial intern, became more evident in the months after I was offered the position, and even more so as each state passed behind us, and in each stop we made along the journey. It didn't take long to break free from Chicago and Illinois, and most of Indiana was a blip on the radar. We had breakfast in a small farming town with a diner that had questionable decor, and suddenly we found ourselves in Ohio. Oh, Ohio. It was there in Ohio, our first major stop, that we both learned that the Midwest did not want to let go at all. Ohio, we were convinced, was a state that would never end. (laughs) Cleveland was a trap with no exits, and the entire state was under construction. My summer cold was in full swing, and I was miserable, moody, and Ohio was not helping at all. But looking back, and that's the privilege of looking back, I realized that extra couple of hours getting lost in Cleveland and hoping Ohio would just simply be over and done with was sort of a wake up call. Even though we were taking the long way out to Concord, enjoying the trip and the time together, this was not a vacation. It was a milestone. It was a clear marker on the map of my life. And it was going to be wonderful, yes. It was going to be a great honor, yes. But it was also going to be messy, lonesome, and sometimes aimless, yes. That first night we ended up in Buffalo, New York. The Midwest was long behind us. Ohio did come to an end, and three more days awaited us. We stood under the humid wonder of the Chittenango Falls, tripped over Little Leaguers in Cooperstown, watched fife and drum players march in Fort Ticonderoga, and took the Fort Thai ferry into Vermont. Those stops along the way will be with me for the rest of my life. But even more than that, the challenge of driving through four mountain ranges as a Midwesterner, the Catskills, the Adirondacks, the Green and the White Mountains are as strong as any memory on the way out here. Now, I'm a lifelong Midwesterner, and I'm used to things being flat and orderly. And I quickly learned that there is no greater motivation for learning how to drive uphill in those mountains than seeing a semi-truck flying toward you with no indication of it slowing down and nowhere to go except forward. And I did learn, and I will continue to learn. It became abundantly clear, swooping upward and downward throughout those mountains in my car, that I was no longer home. I was not just down the street from my hometown. It wasn't just the road that had its highs and lows that day, but also myself and my emotions. I went from joy to sorrow Loneliness to contentment, fear and homesickness to excitement and wonder. And I made it here before all of you today, even with the challenges of Cleveland and mountain driving, of happiness and grief. These were the moments along the way, and so many more, that taught me how to be the person that I am. They taught me how to let go and say goodbye, how to say yes to uncertainty, say no when it was needed, how to go to seminary and answer my call, and how to have courage to seek out First Parish in the first place. Everything, it would seem, in our lives, the good and the grief, the mountain driving and the summer colds, are signposts along the way that give us hope and encouragement, even when it is painful. Even when we see something flying toward us and we have nowhere to go invite you to ask yourselves, not just today in this moment, but in every day, what in your life has encouraged you? What has lingered with you and led you to unexpected places? What has brought you to this sanctuary on this Sunday at this hour? These questions and so many more are what help us grow deeper in our faith and in our commitments to one another as a religious community, and I am so abundantly grateful. In these next ten months together, as your ministerial intern, I can promise you a few things. I will allow my heart to be opened by all of you, by your wisdom, your stories, your generosity and of spirit, and all that you do to make First Parish a special place to be. I will do my best to get to know as many of you as I can, to work with you, struggle with you, learn with you, and grow with you. And I will give of myself freely, just as all of you do here at First Parish but if I'm being realistic, there are some things that I can simply not promise you. I will never get used to driving in Boston. (laughs) Though I've learned, and it's very comforting, that many lifelong New Englanders have not as well. I will try your pizza, but I'm a Chicagoan, so I don't really need to say any more about that. And as a good South Side Chicagoan that I am, I will always prefer the color of my socks to be white, instead of red. Please be forgiving with that one. <laughs> Those things aside, I am so deeply humbled, so deeply honored that I am standing before you all here today, that I am able to share with you the journey that has led me here from high school to Ohio, from Cooperstown to Vermont, from Illinois to Massachusetts. There will be moments in our journey where we think that, we ha- where we think that something will never end. We will wonder how we got into that mess in the first place and just look for a way out. We will struggle and rejoice and climb hills together and go great distances in our spiritual lives. We will open our hearts and our minds, grow in our faith, say hello to newcomers, say goodbye to loved ones and dear friends. And there will be times when we see things coming our way and there is nothing to do but prepare ourselves for the wounds. There will be hurt and there will be tears. There will also be laughter and hope, rejoicing and celebration. All that awaits us, each and every one of us in our own lives, will intersect here on Sunday morning and in all that we do here at First Parish. To all of you, my new friends, I promise you above all else, I will journey with you these next ten months through all that life will bring. I do have great hope that wonderful things are in store for all of us. We may not solve the problems that affect Ferguson Missouri together, but we can understand and help. We may not ease all the suffering in the Middle East and elsewhere, but we can start. We may not do all the things we want to do to address the challenges of our faith, but we can come together each week and find new light and new hope. We may find that sometimes we need people to be strong for us, as we pack up all of our scrapes, bruises, dreams, and hopes for the next big journey in our lives. There are many stops ahead for all of us, today and in the next ten months and beyond. I invite you to come with me and find out where we end up. May it always be so. Amen.